You're listening to the Pure Desire Podcast, your safe place to find hope, healing, and freedom from sexual addiction, betrayal, and relationship issues. What's up, people? I'm your host, Trevor Windsor, and you're listening to episode 174 of the Pure Desire Podcast. Here joining me, as always, is my co-host, Nick Stumbo. Robble, robble. Uh, do it again. Robble, robble. Uh, Flintstones? It it kind of sounds like that. I may not be, you know, doing correct voice pronunciation because it's been many years since I've heard this. Okay. But that is actually what the Hamburglar would say <laughs> in the old, old McDonald's commercials uh, when the he would steal hamburgers. Yeah. Oh He'd say robble, robble. So question about McDonald's. Uh, for me, it was Ronald McDonald growing up. Were they... That At was the same part of, time? yeah, that was okay. the Ronald McDonald and the Hamburglar and a couple of other characters that okay. like, if you look up their pictures, they're kind of creepy now. Like yeah. it would be a really good scary yeah. movie theme to just have those characters. Ronald McDonald <laughs> looks like Pennywise from He's It. He's frightening. He looks like the- The, the giant red yes. shoes. Oh. I mean, and the Hamburglar was kind of weird. And then they had this kind of <laughs> circular blob. Gro- it was, yeah. I'm sure in the 80s it worked, but now it's kind of frightening. Oh my goodness. Well- Let's move on from that. We should. Yeah. Okay. So a few things. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, just don't wait anymore. Just do it. We we would be happy for you to visit us each week. That would be awesome. We're on all the major platforms. Uh, give us a review. Also helps us uh, reach more people. Helps people see the podcast. Also follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pure Desire PDMI. And then we're also on YouTube. Uh, just search Pure Desire Ministries. Uh, so... We're going to keep coming back to this just because people need to know if they haven't heard Sexual Integrity 101, it's now in the world. It is. Would you and like me maybe, to say more before Maybe I this is off? the first podcast they've listened to and so they're yeah. getting to know Pure Desire and that's actually one of the reasons we produced it because we want to help people get to know yes. the process of healing and recovery that Pure Desire has been using for almost three decades now. Mm. It's it's really teaching the eight essential elements that Ted and Diane Roberts began in the mid-90s and helping people see why it's not about just trying harder or right. praying away this problem, that we need to walk through a system of healing and change. And yep. the great thing is the Sexual Integrity 101 video course walks people through in eight sessions these foundations. And so yep. whether you're the one struggling or married to someone who's struggling or just want to be a part of helping young men, young women, others in the church yep. find this pathway, um, it's incredibly equipping and educational and, and I think would be helpful for everyone to watch. Yeah. And it can be done on your own, can be done in a group, small or large group. So definitely something that would reach you. Just go to puredesire.org slash 101. Okay. So we had Dan and Jen Howie on, which is always great. We love them um, and love the dynamic and the communication they have together. Uh, but we entered into a messy area of the recovery journey, and that is setting boundaries in recovery. Yes, it, it's an area that can robble, robble our joy. <laughs> oh <my laughs> that's, that's the best connection I could find. Um, no, it, it is this gray area of like, okay, we're walking into some recovery, but there are still these issues of trust or I see him on his phone and I feel like he's yeah. isolating and should I tell him to get off or should we have a bounce? It just, it's navigating that, that I think can get a lot of couples pulled right back into um, disagreements and fights. So I, I hope today as we walk through some strategies and principles, we do help create some effective plans yeah. of how to move forward because I think that is the goal of healthy boundaries. It's to remove the gray areas. Yeah. 
so that a spouse knows here's what I'm focusing on mm-hmm. and the other spouse knows here's what I'm working on right. and and don't have to be continually looking at the other trying to figure out what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a great conversation and we had a lot of fun. Yeah, and and I just I want to say this too before we get into it that there may be some things that you hear that may be triggering or may be emotional for you to hear, but just understand that we're all at a place now in our recovery where um, this is this is still fresh, but it's, we're not on the early end of recovery. And so we're talking about it in a way that there's a lot of perspective and experience that's been in it. And so I, we just hope that you don't feel like we're minimizing your experience or the pain that's been caused by unwanted behavior or betrayal. So just enter it into it with that perspective and it will be a beneficial conversation. Enjoy. Dan and Jen, yes. welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thanks, Trevor. Thanks. And Nick. Um, just like right now, take a stab in the dark. How long do you think we were talking before the episode actually? A couple minutes. At least 10. Yeah, at least 10. There's just a like, lengthy pre-episode banter. There was, some of it was burgers versus sandwiches. Others were uh, apparently presumptuous statements and questions looking for clarity. Finishing each other's sentences. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Um, so uh, the reason why we don't do all that is because of? Boundaries. We want boundaries for the podcast today. That was a professional transition, everyone. We are talking about a topic that gets uh, tons of questions. Jen, you were just sharing that this came from one of your groups having just a bunch of questions on this, Mm -hmm. but this is not unique to just one group. Oh, no. Uh, Everybody in recovery um, from addiction and betrayal thinks about this, this idea of boundaries. And so we wanted to ask you guys, really as a couple who's gone through it, uh, you've been through counseling, you've been through group, you're now leading groups. So you have this experience both personally and as group leaders uh, on just this topic when it comes to specifically relationships inside of recovery, marriage. This could also be, you know, boundaries and dating. Um, but we just wanted to really draw from your experience. So right now, just so you know, we're not looking to you <laughs> as a clinician or as an expert. We're just asking you to share your experience because it's valuable. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so just a simple start. Can you define what a boundary is from your experience and then also why we need them? Yeah. Um, we view boundaries as a guideline or a rule or a limit that... Um, I will create or he will create to identify reasonable and safe and permissible ways for other people to behave toward us, right? And so, um, and then it also includes how I will respond when someone passes those limits or even how they respect those limits. So essentially, it's um, it's really setting a standard for how you want to be treated. And uh, essentially, boundaries are are essential. Healthy boundaries are essential to a healthy relationship. So the goal is to to keep love in and to keep health in and mm. and clear boundaries help us to remain connected and it's a mutual form of respect for one another. Yeah. I think boundaries are born out of a need. So rather than an arbitrary boundary of don't talk to me that way, what is what what do I need? Uh, what's being communicated or what do I actually hoping to, to get out of, out of you talking to me? Um, So if I don't, if I don't know what I actually need, I can't really set a healthy boundary. So um, they're really thoughtful. Um, And most, most people have created dance steps that we start making arbitrary. This irritates me. Don't do that. Um, When really, maybe it's a good boundary. Maybe it's not. But if we really delve into how does this protect, uh, 
how does this serve a need and how does this protect our relationship mm -hmm. and protect yeah. me as an individual so that I can yeah. remain healthy? Because mm -hmm. that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. It allows mm -hmm. me to move towards health. Yeah, if you think about where we create boundaries in our world, you know, we have fences, we have handrails on steps. It's it's a way of keeping us in that safe or healthy place mm -hmm. and away from something that is dangerous, unhealthy, or potentially um, very disastrous to us. And so we we need to maybe start there and see them as their their primary function is to be a good thing that keeps us moving in a good direction. Yeah. Now, yeah, there are good. ways and places that boundaries have been applied to us or enforced on us that can make us see yeah. them as a negative thing or as limiting or restrictive. But if we can start there to say, these are meant to be a way that I can own what I'm responsible for and keep myself moving towards health and growth and progress, right. then that's a good thing I want to invite into my life and then consider, I think, the point of this podcast how does that work in a relationship with other people? Yeah. And in particular in a marriage yeah. where what I need as a boundary might not be what someone right. else yeah. would totally. like to have or understand. So yeah. how do we navigate that? And I think we'll get into that in, in a little bit here. And nice. that's why I'm so, and we were having this conversation the other night. Um, we're in the same uh, group at church and we were talking about uh, that idea, which was a, I think I knew it, but I never heard you, like I've never heard anybody say it until you said it. The idea that a boundary is not keeping bad things out, it's keeping good things in. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's my hope for this, this entire episode is that we're operating off of that idea, that mm -hmm. this is trying to protect. And as you're saying, create more health for longevity and keeping good things in rather than just a no, don't do this type of perspective. Yeah. So when we, we think about boundaries, uh, there comes a situation where in setting them, particularly as we're talking now about a marriage where there's a spouse who has had particular struggles with you know, acting out sexually or pornography, and, and that spouse as the one who is struggling often doesn't respond well initially to boundaries that a spouse might be setting. So in your experience, Dan and Jen, why is that? Well, if you're setting a new boundary, you're creating uh, a new dance step or some sort of situation that I'm not comfortable with. And most of the time I'm doing whatever it is that you don't want me to do anymore yeah. or feel like is a boundary, it's served a purpose for me. So now I have to wrestle with, well, why is that being taken away? Um, I remember one particular one I that was just not anticipating I, this well, there you go. <laughs> examples here we <laughs> okay, go here we go wow okay um at the <laughs> beginning my wife said you know you work with people including women you don't have to have a discussion beyond business and i'm like what you mean i'm like not gonna say uh hope your day goes well and how's your kid doing because I know your kid was sick. I'm envisioning someone saying, hi, Dan. You're like, uh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. run away. Yeah. 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 And, <laughs> and specifically like in an email form, like what's, what's yeah. the point of the email? Well, the point of the email is, is to, to finish business. And I was like, well, I, that's just rude. That's, uh, that's, I can't imagine being that rude to them. And, and, and it, it was a, a struggle for me to, first of all, understand it. Second of all, to implement it. And third, to get comfortable with it to where now I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't need to. Yeah. I, there is no reason for me to engage in conversation with 
a woman who's not my wife, uh, in a private conversation that has nothing to do outside of, that has anything to do outside of business. So mm-hmm. it is difficult in the beginning because we've had a, yeah. for me, that that um, made me feel good when I could ask someone about their day and they feel valuable. So they're on, or I feel valuable, something like that. So yeah. it's just a whole new set of uh, dance steps, I guess. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing, and this is the word I uh, that's coming to mind, is loss. A boundary will always include some sort of loss, mm-hmm. whether that's it's good. like a freedom or um, something like an actual thing I used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because, mm-hmm. and I know f- for me personally, I I love when people take away my options and freedom mm-hmm. to do things, condescending tone, <laughs> right? Like I don't like that. And so boundaries are going to include loss. So there is going to be, and I don't think it's bad that there is a negative emotional response response to that. How you use that, how that emotional response plays out is is that's up to you. You get to decide. But when someone says you had this and now you lost it, it's okay to be upset or irritated or maybe even grieve the fact that you lose it. But there are things that we lose and we grieve all the time that are mm-hmm. actually for our benefit. Right. So just because we're triggered doesn't mean that it's that we're looking at something that's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just means that yep. I'm that there's something that's undealt with inside of me, and yeah. I need to yeah. address that. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And I, I think we're getting into something that I I wanted to address because it's it's worth noting that you, typically why a struggling spouse doesn't respond well is because they are having boundaries set for them, mm-hmm. and really that's not an appropriate way to use boundaries. Sure. Mm-hmm. In a healthy way of speaking, a boundary is something I set for myself. Or that within a relationship, within a conversation, maybe we agree on together. Mm-hmm. So it, even in, in a situation where one of the spouses has been struggling, I think it's best if they could come and say, when you do X, mm-hmm. I feel Y, yeah. and so I'm going to need to choose to do Z so that I can be in a place of safety. So if, if the spouse comes and says, well, you know, you've, you've messed up with you know, pornography, and so now you don't get to have a phone, and you don't get to have a computer, and you don't get to watch TV, and well... Those aren't really boundaries. Those mm-hmm. are punishments. Yes. And it's being enforced on a person, which really changes the dynamic of the relationship to more parent-child yeah. or authority subjugate of like, yeah. I'm going to tell you what to do to get you in line, which is really not uh, the foundation for a healthy marriage. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, when one of the spouses has been struggling, they need boundaries, but hopefully they're also in some kind of recovery and they're willing to see the need for boundaries and be open to the input of others that maybe see things they don't. But I think going back to the question, that's why they're often not responded to well because the person can feel like they're being punished. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just an unfair consequence. Yeah. They're being told what to do. Right. And so if you're the spouse or the friend in that situation trying to encourage a boundary, I think that's just what you need to be aware of is how can I communicate my needs in this relationship how can I communicate what I need to feel safe and then invite them into a conversation or into a process of considering what boundaries they could create around their behavior yep. to help facilitate a better relationship? So these are not easy conversations mm-hmm. we're talking about, yeah. but it's it's mm-hmm. definitely the kind of thing that can help create long-term health in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And the example that Dan used earlier, um, I wasn't requiring him not to talk to someone. So you can't, I couldn't enforce... Right. Um, or modify his behavior. Um, what the conversation that had taken place previous to that was um, some other needs that I had um, had you know told him about, and 
what I was trying to understand is why do you have this need to have conversations with women outside of mm. the office or, yeah. you know, or outside the business atmosphere? And, and that's really the kind of the conclusion we came to. So just want to clarify mm -hmm. that we would never want to impose behavior modification. Um, God yeah. gave us, you know, um, you know, the right to choose. And so we, yeah. we choose accordingly and God honors the choices we make. So, so we've talked about all three of them so far, but um, what do you guys see as the difference between a need, mm -hmm. a consequence, and a boundary? And basically, when should we use one over another? Okay. I think that um, a need is something that is material, it's physical, it's mental, hmm. it's emotional, um, it can even be spiritual. A boundary is um, something that protects those needs, and then a consequent is a result of the action that is relating to the mm. boundaries that you've set. So they all three really work together yeah. and they're all necessary. But generally in sequence, it would be I'm going to identify my need. Yeah. I'm going to build a boundary based off of that need. And then the consequences, which we always assume are bad, there's good consequences to our choices. So the consequence is really just the... Um, just the action that is that takes place after yeah. those are said. So just to, to like maybe help think through this a little bit more, let's use that example and let's say that that you know you set a boundary. Let's say you set a boundary, Dana, you're not going to talk to. I don't want you to talk to other women outside of business. So let's just walk through it. What would be your need? What's your need at the core of that? It depends on where I am in the process. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because and, and we'll get into this a little bit, you know, um, needs being based off of emotion versus being yeah. based off of our values. Yeah. So um, at the time that I had set that, quite honestly, it was based off of emotion. So it, it wasn't initially necessarily a very healthy boundary yeah. because of my motivation behind it. Ultimately, what I needed from Dan was an understanding that he had an awareness of how he engages in relationships mm -hmm. to other women. Mm -hmm. It really wasn't about controlling his behavior about, at work. It was the need to feel safe knowing right. that he was working on his awareness about how yeah. he was connecting with other women outside of relationship with me. So the, the need is safety. The boundary then becomes your interaction with women at work. And then the consequence, like, and, and again, this is just trying to help flesh it out. What mm -hmm. would be the positive consequence of keeping that boundary? Emotional intimacy and trust. So when I know that he is working on his awareness, when I know that he is, he is even if he's not executing with 100% accuracy, when I know that he's working toward it, I I can trust that because yeah. right now my my world is upside down, and I think I mentioned this before. There there's this emotional vertigo that you kind of go into, and and the only thing you can really hold on to are the facts. You know, are his actions lining up with what he's saying? So um, when he when that was the positive consequence of him coming back and saying, mm -hmm. I, I was aware that I did this today, or I was aware that I did that. Yeah. That is telling me that brings me emotional safety mm -hmm. and um, relational yeah. intimacy when right. I know that my husband is honoring the fact that I, right. that we are both working towards awareness together. And like, then, yeah, go. I just say, I like how you said that, Trevor, because it brings up that consequences are both positive right. and negative, that our, our behaviors and decisions always have consequences. Yes. It's just if we're following healthy boundaries, the consequences are good yeah. in terms of a growing relationship, yeah. rebuilding trust with my spouse, yeah. 
um, creating healthy habits for my own life. And, and we want to focus on that's why I'm creating boundaries is not to limit my freedoms or take away my, my, you know, whatever it is I want to be able to do. It's yeah. to see I, I'm choosing instead the healthy outcomes that I probably won't get to if I continue to make these old choices. Yeah. So that, that I think really can help uh, couples frame the conversation of let's cast the vision for the positive side of if, if I know that, you know, to the, to our example here, the conversations you're having at a private, intimate level with a woman are only with me. Mm. That's going to strengthen our relationship. It's going to build trust. We're going to have more fun. Yeah. Well, well, then the other spouse, the the Dan in this story, can be like, "Oh, well, I like that. Yeah. That's a good yeah. outcome. Yeah. Let's right. work on that. Yeah, and and be more proactive about creating those healthy boundaries." Yeah, I think oftentimes what it feels like I hear in group is a guy saying, "My wife hit me with all these." boundaries rules basically rules yeah. and i can't do this and i can't do that otherwise she's going to do this and what gets lost in there is what are the boundaries intended to do what's the need that they are fulfilling and we rare it's hard to have those conversations especially at the beginning of the healing process because we're just trying to figure out our needs we know what triggers us or what makes us angry um and and oftentimes it doesn't, even if it's said, it's not, the communication doesn't necessarily stick on how is this actually going to help? All I see is I'm being told what to do, like you were saying. Um, even if I agree with it, I'm like, well, I hope you enjoy it, that <laughs> I'm doing what you say. It's it's not a, it's a messy process. It's not easy. It is. It is. So uh, when people ask this question, how do you respond? Because I, I know that this can happen kind of the back and forth of, well, well, if, if I'm not doing this, then you can't do that. So should couples be setting boundaries and consequences for each other? And should they be the same for both spouses? Well, first of all, boundaries are meant for us. I cannot set a boundary for somebody else. So yes, but when it comes to should the consequence should the boundaries be the same um so you know maybe your boundary is um you have passwords i have passwords no my boundary is oh wait i don't now i'm now i'm talking <laughs> in circles flipping it around <laughs> i don't even know I what the boundary is anymore. i know here we go um so when it comes to um sharing each other's passwords and having access to our social media accounts and, and whatnot. We get this question a lot. Should I have to share my passwords with my spouse? I'm not the one that did the betraying. He did. Therefore, I should have access to his. Should he have access to mine? Obviously, this is a question that the two of you have to figure out. Totally. What, right. what my answer is and what your answer is can can really vary because boundaries will be based off of needs. So... Um, but that, that being said, what is the goal? Like, why not? If it's good for him, why, why, why isn't it good for me? But what is the motivation? Are you looking for safety? Or are you looking for control? Mm, so no, that's that's a, sit on that for a second. That's a really good question. Ask that question again. So when we're, when we're looking at our boundaries, are we looking for safety? Are we looking for control? Mm. So if I want yeah. to have access to my husband's computer, is it because it brings me a sense of safety or am I really wanting to go in and check in and police and investigate? Ultimately, that's actually not healthy for me, um, which often will lead to hypervigilance and yeah. some other behavior that isn't healthy. Yeah. So 
Um, so the really, when it comes to answering that question, Nick, it's, it all comes back to what is the motivation? Am I, am I setting a boundary because I have an issue with safety or can I dive a little bit, a little bit deeper and, and see if there's a little bit of control that I'm looking to have? Because often when we're in trauma, we, we want to have control because nothing feels like it's in control. Yeah, I think to this question, you know, there's the two sides of we can have boundaries in a relationship um, just as a healthy part of having a good relationship versus boundaries that are created because one spouse mm-hmm. or the other has yeah. a significant issue or breach of trust that is needing to be recovered from, True. like an addiction to pornography or an affair, that that those boundaries have a very specific purpose of trust has been broken, our relationship is fractured, and in order to rebuild, one spouse may have additional things they're choosing to abide by mm-hmm. or to follow yeah. in order to rebuild and regain trust. Yeah. On the other side, though, you have healthy relationships of things that like any reasonable couple that wants a healthy relationship could yeah. follow together. Like yeah. for my wife and I, we don't ride alone in cars with people of the opposite gender. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't go out to a meal or to coffee with someone of the opposite gender. We wouldn't yeah. you know, have personal Facebook conversations with someone of the opposite gender. Just, And that's not because of a trust issue or she's a bad person or I did bad things. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just like healthy relationships. So yeah. I think sometimes yeah. you maybe as a couple need to have different conversations yeah. of, what are we doing to recover from a, a breach of trust and a, an addictive behavior? And then what are things we're both agreeing to enter into of like, hey, my phone is not a private thing to me because you're my spouse. And if if I can't let you see what I'm doing on my phone, there's yeah. a problem here. Whether right. it's about addiction or struggle or not, it's just mm-hmm. let's talk about what would a healthy relationship be. Yeah. So I think That's seeing good. the two sides of the conversation can help. That's good. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things just when thinking through this, like – if this is how I could see it playing out in a negative way that you say, okay, here's the boundary. This is what makes me feel safe. And then Dan, if you were to be like, well, then you can't have conversations with guys at work. And that is reactionary boundary Mm -hmm. where if you maybe felt like there was a lack of safety, you didn't feel safety personally before that boundary was set, then maybe that's something you circle back to. But if it's something that all of a sudden, oh yeah, you know what? Now I have a boundary. That's like, okay, you're reacting. You're not actually doing something that helps with that. Yeah. So um, if our spouse, and this happens, <laughs> this happens, and and I, I but before I even say this, uh, it happens that there is this response and it happens that the betrayed spouse does do this as well. If there are boundaries that are set that the struggling spouse or the one who is being asked to respect this boundary feels that the boundary is extreme, um, how do they best respect that? And and I feel like I need to kind of flesh it out just a second that there are betrayed spouses and there are spouses in general who maybe haven't been betrayed that do set extreme boundaries. That is a possibility. Yeah. But as someone who's a loving uh, spouse and someone who's in a relationship with someone, you want to try to respect those and you want that safety. So how do we do that if we feel it's extreme? Yeah. I think the word that sticks out in that question is feels um, because mm. our feeling is, is can betray us. A lot of times uh, what feels extreme is actually healthy. Um, I don't want to say it, That's good. it's extreme, but with that our example we were talking about felt unnecessary. Mm. It's like it's yeah. not used for, uh, I'm not in all cases, 
using it to, you know, feed mm. an addiction. So that feels extreme or unnecessary. Um, in retrospect, it was the right thing. On the other hand, um, if you're saying, like you were saying, you'll never have a, a phone again, you have to live with a dumb phone till you die. Well, that's, that's not helping. I mean, I can't live in a world, I can. I don't have to live in a world without a cell phone in order to be healthy. And that's not, so I, for me and for g groups, we talk about them. We talk, talk with trusted people. Talk with people you re respect about some of the boundaries. And if it feels extreme, get a, get an opinion. Talk to someone you trust. Um, it's, why, it's where group comes in huge. Huge, yeah. huge. I can't tell you how many times a guy said, my wife told me I can't do this. And I'm like, well, what do you think? And he's like, well, it just seems unfair. And okay, well, why do you think, why do you think it's okay? Or what's, and just talk through yeah. it. And then by yeah. the end, right. sometimes it's like, all right, there's some wisdom there. And sometimes it's like, well, maybe you can go back and revisit it and ask this question and maybe you can set a different uh, parameter, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, it's this is where it gets really sticky uh, because I've seen both sides of it where, mm -hmm. where guys are like, that's just too much where it's clearly not. And then yeah. sometimes what's being asked is, it's like, well, that's not... I can tell that's not for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's not going to, that's not helping your marriage. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's hard. I do think we want to be cognizant of, is this just a punishment? Because mm -hmm. as, as we've already kind of alluded to, that changes the relationship and it's not going to be healthy if one spouse is in the role of punishing the other. Yeah. And so I, I think in kindness and fairness, you may want to try to come and say, hey, this, this just feels like I'm being punished. Can you help me see how this is actually helpful or necessary? Yeah. But the other side of it that comes to mind with that question is when a boundary feels extreme to me, it's usually an indication um, of the severity of my wife's emotional state yeah. mm -hmm. that I need to take seriously. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes. well, if that's what she legitimately feels she needs for safety, I need to look at that and go, this is bigger than I thought. Yep. Because that's what she's asking. And she's, you know, wants to have a good relationship. She's generally yeah. a kind hearted person. So yeah. I think if we're the spouse that's been struggling and has that feeling, we need to really look at it from their side to say, maybe this is how serious it is to them. Yeah. And I've never taken it that seriously. Yeah, totally. And that's why it feels excessive to me because I'm not fully empathizing with where they're at. And so it's an opportunity yeah. to have kind of one of those, oh, wow, moments of, I didn't realize how much this meant to you. Yeah. And if that's what you need, I'm willing to do it because I want you to be able to move back to a place of emotional health and, and let's figure out how to get there. I think you bring up a really good point because ultimately that's what the betrayed spouse is really wanting. I want you to see me. Mm. I want you to hear me. Mm. I want you to affirm mm -hmm. what, what my experience is. And, and while she may not have the word, they may not have the words to articulate it. Um, I just need you to know where I am and meet me where I am. And so I think you really bring up a very valuable mm -hmm. point. Yeah. It doesn't mean that those boundaries will actually always stay there. Right. And it doesn't mean right. that the boundary process is flawless. Sometimes we make boundaries based off of trauma. So giving room to process through the trauma, yeah. then we can move on to 
healthier boundaries that bring us closer to one another. Well, and we see it when relationships are really struggling or when someone is probably, you know, moving towards divorce, it's often because the spouse is saying they don't see it, they don't understand what Mm -hmm. they're doing, they don't recognize how painful this is, they they're just not open to what I'm experiencing. And so I don't know how to trust them. Um, versus the opposite of there are really high levels of boundaries that spouses have entered into because they see just what you're saying of, I need to help my spouse move out of this place of trauma and reactiveness, or we're never going to have a healthy relationship. Yeah, right. So for a mm-hmm. time, if we need to be in kind of some extreme triage care yeah. mm-hmm. to just let their brain yep. relax yes. and let their spirit kind of get off the edge yeah. and mm-hmm. then start to have better conversations. Like, let's do it. Yeah. Right. And that does communicate a lot to the spouse who right. says, oh, I, I think they see it because they're willing to help me yeah. move towards that better place. Nice. And that's it, what's striking to me, though, is also you have to understand based on where you're at in the process is also going to be really, yeah. it's going to impact this conversation yes. where you're at. At the yeah. beginning of recovery, when disclosure happened or exposure, whatever you you know experienced comes out, they're going to feel really extreme up front. And that honestly, as we've been talking about, it's not bad that they'll feel extreme. Mm-hmm. But just understand that maybe, and I think you said this, that uh, it's not going to be this way at the whole time. Right. Like things will get better, yes. but just know that these are the really difficult steps at first yes. so that we can get to that better place. And so also understanding that if I'm in year, you know, 10 of recovery and me and my spouse are in a better place and they're like, well, I really think you need to get rid of all electronics and, and actually I need you to work from home every single day. It's like, well, if nothing happened, then we need to, we need to talk about that mm-hmm. because that seems like a reactionary boundary rather than actual based on a need. Yeah. So I think that just keeping that in mind will help. That's good. So let, let's talk about that a little bit more. If we are concerned that maybe our spouse is creating some of their boundaries that are too extreme, or maybe we're wondering if, you know, early in recovery, we're being too extreme and maybe need to make some adjustments, how would we know? And how would we go about maybe making changes to our boundaries? So um, boundaries can usually be based off of two things, emotions or your values. So our emotions are meant to be informative. They give us information. They're not meant to be our decision makers. Um, Our values are what help us make healthy decisions in our life. They facilitate um, pondering and thinking and, and and then making our boundaries based off of that. So if I value myself, I can identify what my needs are and I can speak those needs. And I can base my boundaries off of that. If an emotion is extreme, there's a good chance that your boundary is probably at risk for the same. So yeah. if, you are, if you're experiencing intense emotions, that would not be the time to set a boundary. Or if you do, there's a good chance it'll be extreme, hard to follow through with, and will likely lead to some disconnection. That doesn't mean you can't have emotions, extreme emotions while in Sure. enforcing boundaries yeah. but but if your boundaries are based off of your values then then there's no room for subjectivity there as much as you possibly can have that scenario yeah. because it's based off of my need and when i speak those needs yeah. i know that i'm probably not acting in extreme ways it's when i when my emotions dictate my yeah. needs that i'm there's there's a chance there there's a chance that it could be extreme and guilty as charged. I don't know if I'm actually being charged, but no, you're not. Um, 
but I know that I have set boundaries. When I feel out of control and my emotions are high, I'll yeah. set boundaries and they become ineffective. But when I'm when I'm, you know, communicating my my values to my husband, suddenly there's room for conversation. Yeah. And uh the energy in the room just settles down a bit and we can start to engage in a conversation based off of that rather than emotion. Yeah, I think it's hard to as the receiving spouse of a boundary, um, if you think it's too extreme, or even if maybe even if you know it's too extreme, how do you respond? Like, like if Jen says, you know what, you need to stay out of the kitchen between the hours of 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. because I'm walking through there, and if I see you, I'm going to get triggered, and I can't deal with that. And so that's that's what you have to, to do. Clarified, I have not said that. <laughs> yeah, and it was this is a hypothetical. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jen. Yeah, it wasn't the kitchen. Just so everyone knows, I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So something like that, where you're like, well, I don't know how I live life by not being yeah. in my house. Right. I have to use the, the bathroom. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I have to walk through the kitchen. <laughs> yes. Well. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I mean, at that point, now you've got. This is where boundaries become difficult and it becomes this is now a community yeah hopefully you have a community to help you work through this we can say look i, I feel yeah. like well maybe maybe we can figure out a different way that i don't trigger you by just being seen or maybe we can work something else out yeah but also this can't be a, a forever thing right. we can't make this a non-negotiable yeah let's let's talk about how to move through it so yeah and that, again you mentioned the group like that's where um, if I am the struggling spouse and I come to group and say, okay, this is something that my spouse put in place as a boundary, I think it's extreme, mm -hmm. and you ask the group, what do you think? Mm -hmm. That then you're going to get really good feedback. You're going to get feedback, uh, you know, on the scale from like, bro, that's crazy. Like, uh, mm -hmm. That seems way, and here's why. And mm -hmm. what's what's interesting is that your group members are not emotionally invested in that situation, yeah. so they're going to be a lot more objective. Yeah, because you could also get the like, bro, that's pretty normal. Like, yeah. you know, me and my wife have been doing that since day one, mm -hmm. or like, you know, this, this, yeah. this. Like, this is not abnormal for her yeah. to want this, right. right? And so I think that you're not. That sounded condescending. <laughs> your group members would not be condescending in that moment. <laughs> but there is that. But. The, <laughs> Forgive me. Um, but I think that you're going to get that range and that's really helpful because yeah. then you're able to talk it out with someone who's not that spouse right? because that tends to not be a great time to have those conversations. Like, hey, can we argue about the mm -hmm. boundary that you put in place? Like yeah. you can process it with someone else and then come back with, sure. uh, I think, a, a better emotional state, some outside perspective, and then can enter into those conversations a lot better. I think a really good question to ask if we feel a boundary is too extreme is to say, if I follow this boundary... What's the worst that could happen? Hmm. Because if the worst that could happen is like I could lose my job or we could lose our house or you know real things, like, okay, let's look at other options here. But what so many of us find when we ask that question is the worst that could happen is I would feel inconvenienced and I wouldn't like it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, if that's the worst that could happen, maybe I better give this a go because if that would be helpful to my spouse, yeah. uh, then I could figure it out. And I'll have you know, reactions of guys in group that are like, you know, they, they kind of respond emotionally like we're talking about. It's like, well, if I can't watch TV alone at night, what would I do when I can't, like, there's, then there's nothing to do. It's like, nothing? Like, have you heard of a book? Have you ever, you know, worked on a project? Like, 
it's just you've got such tunnel vision of this is what I want to do and I'm holding on to it mm-hmm. that totally. you can't see, well, what's the worst yeah. that could happen? Right. Oh, I might have to figure out a new way to interact with the internet. I might right. have to figure out a new way to appropriately use media or the TV. And that's a good thing. Right. So uh, yeah. just asking that question, what's the worst that could happen? And if the worst is that you would be inconvenienced or uncomfortable, yeah. then maybe that's what you need because that's often what creates change. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, so if we do set boundaries in our relationships, um, it's easy for, I think, the the receiving spouse, if you will, of that boundary to feel like you're placing a limit mm. on your love based on this. So you'll only feel loved. And that's interesting. There's two dynamics there. You'll only feel loved if I do this or you will only love me if I do this. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> how do we set up boundaries? And there's only so much we can do because we can't control the other person. But how do we set up boundaries in a way that doesn't communicate there's a limit to love? Well, speaking speaking your need equates to in, intimacy, being fully known. And um, when I do that, I am protecting a barrier, right? So boundary protects love. It's a safeguard. It protects me from bitterness. It protects me from animosity. It protects me from, it can protect me from miscommunication. So all these things benefit me. They benefit you. They benefit us in relationship to one another. So ultimately, if our goal is to be seen and to be known and to be loved in that process, then then there is really, we have to start to remove this idea that, that, that boundaries create limits on our love for one another. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that I had from one of my group members was, should, should our love have limits? Like, where is the limit of my love? Like, I've, I forgive and I forgive and I forgive. Where... At what point? And I think we'll probably jump into that a little bit. So while while boundaries create and protect love, um, you know, they're ultimately the goal is to to be in that safeguard zone. And so, yeah. Well, I think it might be helpful to think of it in terms of perhaps we can say our love doesn't have limits because we do want to believe in uh, an unconditional love that we would continue to love someone even after being hurt, but our relationship may have limits mm-hmm. or our ability to be emotionally healthy may have limits. In fact, that's our story 10 years ago. My wife saying to you, it's not that I hate you, but I hate the way you make me feel. And I don't know if I can stay around that much pain. So she wasn't saying I'm limiting my love, but she's saying I'm limiting what I can handle and stay in this relationship. And so to your question, Jen, there are limits to what a spouse should have to endure and and somehow stay in the relationship. It's like if if you're continuing to make these destructive, hurtful choices, I may need to remove myself from the home or I may need to ask you to move out or make this change, not because I'm limiting love, but because I'm making a, a statement of, I can't handle, and our relationship can't handle perpetual abuse, perpetual pornography, this intrusion of trust, that there are limits to that because we're human beings, we're limited. So even in a, you know, kind of a godly spirit, if we want to say, I'll never stop loving you, we might have to say, but I may need to stop living with you. And Mm. and even if we're um, in a healthy way, holding on to a a biblical standard of not divorcing, uh, if there's not been an affair, like we might say it's not about divorce, just about finding healthy space. So there is a balance there where I don't think we have to tell someone, well, just whatever it is, you got to put up with it. There's Mm -hmm. no limits. Like 
you're human. And, and if yeah. it's not changing, if the pain is continuing to happen, yeah. there may be limits on what you can handle, yeah. even if there's not limits to your love. Thank you for wrapping that up so nicely. I feel like I just threw <laughs> something out there and you just really nailed it with that. Like, Thank I, you. Yeah. I, it just, but again, like when I'm thinking about this situation, again, this is where a group is so essential because I when I'm in a conversation about a boundary or something that's tense in my marriage, it's hard for me to enter that conversation. Like even if we go to sleep and wake up the next day, you have that baggage from the day before. Like that carryover emotion is not gone anywhere. And so it's still tense. And again, that's where if you can go get perspective from your group, if you can go have a conversation, get perspective, be able to process verbally out loud as well and really get everything out there, then you can enter maybe that next conversation a little bit more emotionally present, aware of what's going on, have this outside perspective that helps me see things clearer. I don't think that can happen without, and maybe it's not a pure desire group, but somebody, somebody that you can go to and have that conversation because I don't think that you will just like out of the blue sitting there in your you know negative emotions come to this conclusion, oh, okay, here we go. You're gonna need that community and that voice of reason from the outside. Mm -hmm. So I would just encourage people that if you're in this situation and you want to have that conversation, this is not limiting my love for you, might be good to have that outside conversation before you enter into that. So there's a little bit of like removal, if you will, from that experience. I don't know. And I think one of the hard parts is early on, especially with boundaries early on, is most guys in group have a perspective of I am as good as my image. And if yeah. someone's saying, if you do this, I will do that, that says because I did that, I have you know, I'm, I'm a bad person. I'm flawed. Yeah. I'm, and yeah. there's a lot of shame in that. Right. So until, especially for me, I'll just speak for me until I got to the point where, Hey, that's uh, a boundary doesn't reflect on me as an individual. Yeah. It affects it, it. It reflects on my behavior and how, and is an indicator on how uh, healthy I am mm. in, in my individuality. Right. So, um, it, it takes some time to, transition yeah. from what a boundary good. says about me. Well, and I think it reveals the truth of what Jesus says, that in trying to hold on to our life, we can lose it. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen many, and I say men in group because that's my experience, that they're trying to hold on to some right or freedom or image, and mm -hmm. they don't see they're actually losing their marriage and their kids and their family. And yeah. yep. so there is a dynamic there of in, in letting go of our rights and what we hold on to, we actually gain a lot more in the end. Um, so we started to get into this topic, but let's talk a little bit more about it, that what if we're a spouse that in appropriate ways is setting boundaries, communicating our needs to feel safe, to feel respected, to feel trusted, and those are continuing to be violated and the boundaries aren't being respected, but we don't feel like we have grounds for divorce. We don't feel right about divorce. What options do we have? What should a spouse do in a situation like that? Oh, this happens all the time. I hear this every single group I have. I set a boundary and he won't respect it. What do I do? What are my options? So a yeah. few things that we that we talk about in group is prepare to have a discussion. Well, first of all, are you safe? Okay, so we're mm. I don't I want to be very um intentional here. Do you feel safe? If you do not feel safe, then you need to call a friend, family member, call the police or whatever. So this is assuming that you feel safe. Like emotionally, physically. Physically, yeah. yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, ultimately, yeah, we're dealing with emotional safety issues here. But sure. 
Yeah. If you fear for your safety, just keep in mind that you need to reach out for help. But assuming that there is some safety there, you need to prepare to have a conversation um, outside of the circumstances, of course. Uh, maybe set a time, set a place where you're going to sit down and and reinforce. Okay, so I I came to you with this with this need or with this boundary that I have, and and you're not really respecting it. And this is the way that that this is taking place. This is what not respecting it looks like. I need to then reinforce. Maybe there's been a miscommunication or just. Um, you know, what I say and how he receives it can just be very different. Um, so reinforce what your need, needs are, but you need to decide what your next steps are going to be. And then you have to That's have good. a plan in place. So they always say yeah. no plan is a plan to fail. So if, you know, you have to have a plan in place, what are my next steps going to be if my um, boundaries aren't being respected? So I say a scenario might be, um, um, we're having an argument and you say, I need to walk away from this argument. I, I'm, I'm triggered. I need a process. I need to walk away. And you walk away and they're still calling from the other room saying what they need to say. That's not really respecting someone's boundary when you say, I need, a, I need some space. I need to walk away. So, you know, what does a spouse do in that moment? If you don't have a plan on what to do, you're more unlikely to be reactive mm -hmm. rather than proactive in your approach towards protecting your um, restoration. So, um, yeah. I think that's probably where I would start. Yeah. This one's, I think, I don't know what else to add to that. I mean, just like you said, having a discussion outside the emotional yeah. moment is, is key in, in understanding why it's important and, uh, and, and really asking if you're the, if you're the offending side of the, the boundary pushing, um, how, bringing to your group like i have a tro i have real trouble following this boundary or, or respecting this boundary why help me understand why i'm why it's so difficult and you know that's it is difficult uh we, we are totally limbic in those moments yeah. and we're re literally responding out of all our wounds and experiences mm -hmm. and and um this is a long process and it, it's an yeah. indicator that I have work to do. Yeah. I, yeah. I think this to me is communicating the importance of understanding the why of the boundary or the need that's mm -hmm. being met by the boundary instead of just viewing it as something I put in place. So I have control. Yes. Like if, yeah. and I, I know this even outside of this arena, if my, you know, my wife says, uh, when you, when you do this, this is how it makes me feel. So could we, and, and in all intensive purposes, it is a boundary that's being set in place. Will you process with me some, like for me, I'm an overshare and over communicator shocker by everyone who's listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. It doesn't matter. Um, but for me, I'll process it a bunch with people outside the house first, and then mm -hmm. I'll bring, and I just realizing this recently that I'll bring kind of the decision to her. Oh. Sometimes, you know, and she hasn't communicated this a bunch, but there have been times in our marriage where she'll say, uh, like, it, it feels like you're not including me, or it feels like I'm not one who you're processing with, mm -hmm. and this makes me feel. So therefore, I make decisions or a boundary that I would talk to her first about things, and then ask, is it okay if I have these conversations about these issues or topics? And that is something that I understand the why, and because I love my wife, I want to honor that. Yeah. And for me, that makes the boundary not not softer in a sense, because it is still something I see value in in getting other perspective, but it allows me to be more compassionate toward her, empathetic toward her, and makes the boundary seem less extreme. 
Yeah, and ultimately brings you together in relationship, yeah. which mm-hmm. is right. the goal. Yep. When it's these are again hard and messy situations, but I think it's appropriate to talk about amplifying boundaries. So if you know if I have a, a boundary line on my property and the neighbor's dog keeps running across it, I might choose to build a fence. Now, if they continue to like throw garbage over my fence, now I might need to call law enforcement. Yeah. And if they continue after that to do something else, now I might be talking a lawsuit. And that that's not because I'm a bad person. It's right. because I, I have a boundary that I feel needs to be respected. And if it's continually not, yeah. it needs to amplify. And so it could be that a, spa- a spouse who has said, I, I have a boundary about pornography in our marriage because if, if you're viewing pornography, I don't feel safe. And if the spouse ignores that, she might say, I, you know, I communicated, this makes me feel unsafe. And so mm-hmm. because you're continuing to act out, I don't feel safe having sex with you. Mm-hmm. And maybe they continue to act out, say, well, now I don't feel safe being in the same bedroom as you. Yeah. And if they're continuing to act out, I may not be safe in the same house as you. So yeah. it, 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 it's amplifying because they're not recognizing, they just continue to violate a boundary that right. makes you feel unsafe, unheard, unvalued. Right. And there can't be a relationship if that continues to happen. Now, on the other hand, as you brought up, Jen, I think we need to make sure there's not empty threats because that's that's not going to help someone. Yeah. We really do need to be able to ask ourselves, what am I willing to put up with and what am I not? Because if that boundary is crossed and we don't, we go, oh, well, okay, let's move on. Then it's communicated that's not really the boundary. It's a desire. It's a want, but it's right. not really a boundary. Um, if I let my neighbor's dog run in my backyard because we have a good relationship and I like his dog, well, I don't really have a boundary there. It's right. like, well, your yard's my yard, big deal. Yeah, the shotgun's still in the garage. Yeah, but yeah. if it really bothers <laughs> me, then I need to be clear. Like, no, that's not okay. And so I think that's the hard work spouses need to do, which might include going to a counselor and asking yeah. for expert mm-hmm, right. advice yes. and saying, what do I do here? Because these aren't easy things to figure out alone. Yeah. yeah. So this is another just simple question. Um, so... In you guys' experience, uh, both as you know, a couple who's gone through this and then also as group leaders, is it reasonable for spouses to set non-negotiable boundaries? Yes. yes. <laughs> Great. We do it all the time. Yeah. I mean, you do it without going through this process. I mean, oh, n- I have a non-negotiable that uh, Jen... Doesn't know about. Uh <laughs> Poisons my food. It's just non negotiable. All right. Oh, that is not a, well. <laughs> yeah, which is why I cook all the time. No, I not just in the like, kitchen, though, because yeah. that boundary. That's right. right. Exactly. I can't get through the kitchen after four. Bring it all together. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so I mean, we have non negotiable boundaries all the time. Yes. So it's totally reasonable. You know, yes. like you were saying, viewing pornography, there's not a point where I'm like, yeah, let's revisit and maybe it's, it's cool for you to view pornography. Yeah. That's probably not, hopefully not yeah. going to happen. So, yeah. you know. Non-negotiables are the required, are the things that are required for you to stay in relationship. So, um, they're not generally open for discussion or for yeah. any type of modification. Right. These are the things that, re- that I absolutely have to have in yeah. order to be in relationship with yeah. you. Yeah. So people will say, well, how did, why'd you stay together with him? You know, once a cheat, always a cheat. Or, you know, why, why, how did you do that? Well, my requirement to staying married to Dan had everything to do with him pursuing his healing. Hmm. So my non-negotiable wasn't, can he execute this healing process flawlessly? My non-negotiable hmm. was, is he pursuing despite the moments of unsuccess? And is unsuccess a word? I don't know. That's unsuccessfulness. Yes, I'm, I'm okay with. All right. Two words. We just made two okay. words. It's great. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, I that was my, that was my non-negotiable. My non-negotiable was you must continue to pursue healing, and we will do this throughout the rest of our marriage together. Yeah. And so, um, without that, I, I I would not have stayed. I wouldn't have stayed. And so, yeah. so we have to have non-negotiables. Yeah. I mean, there's some very obvious legal non-negotiables that we all probably could point out very sure. easily. Um, but. Yes, to answer your question. Well, some of this is to ask the question, like, what makes for a relationship? And if if someone has to be in relationship with me no matter what I do and they just have to put up with it, I'm not sure that's actually a marriage relationship we're talking about anymore because part of what makes a marriage a marriage is my choice of a commitment to love you mm. and your choice of a commitment to love me, mm-hmm. but then understanding that what makes it love is that I, I choose to bring that, not that I'm forced to, yes. and that I, I'm forced to put up with no matter what happens to me. So some of these questions are just about what makes for a healthy relationship. But I, I do think a spouse, again, needs to ask, where where are those boundary lines that that I know if, if you have another affair, I will move out. And I'm not just threatening. Like that's, that's what I will need for space and protection. Mm-hmm. And that's not negotiable because that's the severity of that behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to be willing to stand up for ourselves and make those statements um, because I, I think it helps the other spouse recognize, oh, I do want to have a relationship with this person and I want them to choose to stay. And so I want to choose to not do those things so that we can have this relationship. Mm-hmm. That's a, a good uh, maybe reminder just to say that like boundaries are put in place. And I think you said this, I'm just going to reemphasize it. Boundaries are put in place so that we stay in relationship. Mm-hmm. That's the point. The point is not at, at its root. It's not that I'm going to have control or that I can then be, you know, the puppet master to you. This is because I want to be in relationship with you is why I'm setting this up. And I think it's just good to say that again, just a reminder. Yeah, always. So back to me. Uh, (laughs) Something that can come into relationship that is a little more subtle is uh, some unseen spiritual abuse. Uh, What do we do if we experience that when it comes to setting up our boundaries? That's a really tough one because someone with a history of trauma um, can be used to a high pain tolerance or just a high tolerance of experiencing abuse that yeah. they may not even really be aware of. Yeah. Um, so just because you can tolerate it doesn't mean um, that you should. So abuse is abuse. So if you if you have if you are suspecting that maybe you are experiencing abuse, generally when this question comes into play in groups, I suggest that they call Pure Desire. And get that free 15-minute evaluation with a clinician. Because I, as a leader, or I, as a friend, I, as a sister, probably do not have the skill set it needs to walk you through an abusive situation. But I do have the skill set to help you recognize that, that, that it may be a thing in your life. And so we have a responsibility that if we are suspect to spiritual abuse from our spouse, that, um, that we encourage people to move towards clinicians that are able to walk us through um, that scenario. Yeah, and I think as I understand this question or the the idea of spiritual abuse, um, we get guys saying it's not biblical for my wife to demand this or, it's or to not, hold out on or me. To yes. hold out. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, we are married. She cannot Her body is sex, mine. Right? Yeah, right. We are yeah. one, mm-hmm. what I want. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, honestly, when we use the Bible as a club 
to get what we want, whether mm-hmm. it's in our relationship. Yeah. And we hold that as our our force. Um, it definitely doesn't encourage, yeah. uh, you know, closer relationships. So, yeah. you know, we have to be v- careful on how we're using the scriptures. And yep. when it happens, I mean, yep. and, and it's pretty obvious and apparent when we're using that to that degree. I, I mean, I think the principle is true throughout that how you use, like, because that is true, that like in a marriage, the husband's body is his wife's. Mm-hmm. The wife's body is her husband's. That is a biblical principle. Mm-hmm. But how that principle is played out or communicated can make it wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like right. Just like me saying that like my job is to rebuke you in relationship in scripture, if I did it every single time and there was no grace or relationship, it was like, Dan, you screwed up again, stop it. Mm-hmm. And I kept doing that over and over again. That's actually not helpful for you or healthy. And I think that I'm using a biblical principle, the right biblical principle, using it in a wrong way. And I think mm-hmm. that that's what we see yeah. is what you're describing yep. is, okay, sir, yes, you are right. That is the principle. But the way that you're playing it out, you're bashing your wife and that's not good. Yeah. Yeah, it can be helpful in, in trying to identify spiritual abuse for a spouse to consider if if I took uh, the spiritual part out of this, the Bible or maybe whatever words were used against me, and just heard it through the lens of, and like an example, um, a spouse says, well, you're just weak in your faith, and that's why you don't trust me to be on my smartphone. It's like, well, if I took the faith out and just said, well, you're, and, and my spouse said to me, well, you're just weak, that's why you don't trust me, would I be okay with that? It's oh. like, well, no, that, that phrase would not be okay outside of a spiritual context. So it's probably not okay within the spiritual That's context. We good. just try to use some spiritual language to justify <laughs> being demeaning, putting mm-hmm. someone down, manipulating or controlling them. So I think that's a helpful way that a, sp- if a spouse would say it's, it's demeaning, it's manipulative, it's controlling. Whether it's spiritual or not, it's unhealthy. And yeah. to maybe come from that tact back, back to your spouse to say, when you, again, when you do X, I feel put down and demeaned. And and so I need a boundary of Z because yeah. I can't be in a healthy relationship yeah. if I feel unsafe, unheard, unvalued. Right. Right. Um, and just, I think that's an approach we can take. Yeah. Um, don't just call your clinician. Call Nick, his email address. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, uh, <clears throat> good luck with that. <laughs> um, okay. So um, as, and, and, Jen, as you walked through this process, because I think that there can be some similarities in how they look, there's a, there is a difference between codependency and betrayal trauma. Yeah. Um, so how have you seen in your experience the distinction between the two, and then how does that impact setting up boundaries? Okay. Yeah, this is actually um, something that's talked about a lot. It's really coming forward in a lot of social media um, talk on, on this. So in my experience, uh, codependent ref- codependency refers to controlling others' behaviors and focusing on their needs instead of your own. So the way I saw that play out was really more in relationship to my kids. Also, codependency tends to be more chronic. It's not really, and again, I'm not a clinician here going off on my own experience, but um, so codependency tends to be chronically um, enabling or having controlling behaviors that focuses on others instead of myself. Mm-hmm. Whereas betrayal trauma um, is what I experienced with Dan. So betrayal trauma is is really being wounded to your core. And in my situation, my brain was sensing danger at all times. It was on a constant, mm-hmm. constant high alert. Yeah. 
And that's very different than, than codependency itself. So um, thank goodness I had um, counselors here at Pure Desire that were trauma-informed and um, that they helped me walk through understanding the difference between my codependency and betrayal trauma. So again, my codependency was more modeled around my children. My betrayal trauma was more modeled around my experience with my husband. So my mistrust was um, complete, it completely destroyed my sense of safety. I mean, completely gone. So setting boundaries and having those boundaries respected gave us a place to start. It gave me a safe place to start. So for me, that's where the codependency and the betrayal trauma piece look um, different to one another. But they are two different things. So a lot of times um, people will say, well, you're, you're just codependent. Well... There, there might be some truth to that, yeah. but when someone's in trauma, how they react to circumstances is a whole different layer. Yeah. Not every codependent has PTSD, but someone in betrayal trauma certainly can. Mm. So it's definitely worth having a deeper dive conversation yeah. um, at some point um, because the subject really is one that people are talking a lot about. And it's, yeah. it's worth having the conversation. Yeah. I feel like that word does get thrown around a lot, the codependency mm-hmm. word. And I think it's that's scary, actually, to think about how much it gets thrown around. So mm-hmm. if you are a struggling spouse, do not use that word. That's probably the Bad safest thing. Idea. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's important to note that in a situation where someone is acting out sexually, there will be betrayal trauma. Yes. yes. There will be pain. There will be mistrust. The, 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 the brain is made in a relationship to want to be exclusive to your spouse and to feel valued by them. And so if, if they're damaging that, there's trauma. And there may be reactiveness or emotions related to that that we have to look for and deal with. And then as you pointed out, there may also be codependency that we want to watch for. Yes. But early on, those two are so hard to separate yes. out. Like you just need to treat it like trauma. And, yeah. and someone trying to figure out right. trauma, is it, do I need safety or control? Who knows? Right. I, they're, they're looking for both. Yeah. Yes. yes. Now, as you get yes. healthier and you start to figure out uh, some safety, then you may notice some codependent yeah. patterns like, okay, that's just yeah. me trying to control or trying to be okay to make sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. And and not to see that as an accusatory, oh, you're codependent, but just be aware of, yeah. do I have some codependency patterns that actually contribute in an unhealthy way? Yeah. Not to blame myself for their behaviors, but to just look for that because that can be an outcome, I would say, of betrayal and deep trauma is then I become more and more codependent. Mm -hmm. So our hope is that as we deal with the trauma and the wounds, we find a greater sense of self and value and belonging that we don't enter into codependency, but we find that that healthy stability of, I need to let you be you, but and I need to be me, but as we've worked through our trauma, we see what it takes to create that healthy relationship. Yeah. So uh, this is a messy, messy part of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just even thinking of almost referring it to as a gray area, but it's not a gray area. This is black and white. Boundaries are needed in recovery, but it is not a clean <laughs> process. Mm-hmm. Um, recovery takes a lot of work um, and a lot of intentionality. And so we hope that, um, again, that this, for you listener, this informs setting up boundaries and understanding when you're entering into those conversations that the whole point is to continue in a relationship in a healthy way, mm-hmm. that that's the whole motivation of setting up a boundary. And and again, I guarantee you people listen to this episode and they got triggered by something that was said, whether they're the betrayed spouse or the struggling spouse. 
Um, and so just know that we're I'm entering. <laughs> we're so we're take just take a deep breath. Yeah, go for a walk. Right, totally. But just just understand that the reason why we're having this conversation is just to shed our experience and the expertise that we carry in this area mm -hmm. to try to help through this process because it is messy, but it can be done and can be done well. Yeah, yeah agreed. Howie's, thanks for being here. Trevor, Nick, thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you, kittens. <laughs> Oh my lord. Okay. If people didn't hear the previous episode, They're that's not, not going to yep. make much sense to them. The well, this is me so doubling your <laughs> podcast ah! listeners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, wherever you're at on your journey, Pure Desire is here to help create a roadmap for your healing. If you or someone you know is looking for help for unwanted sexual behavior or betrayal trauma, go to puredesire.org and start your healing journey today. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, do it. If you are a subscriber, write a review. It helps others find the podcast. And lastly, never stop being healthy.